Welcome to the Final Ghost Podcast, where we would also, given the chance, body swap with a six foot five middle aged man. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, welcome. I know I've said this several times over the last couple of episodes, but we've only got two more episodes to go in our teen horror season. The fourth season of the podcast where we've been exploring teen horror movies in depth, really stretching the definition of what makes a teen horror film, basically exploding the teen canon, and wondering and talking about why teenagers, and especially teenage girls, make some of the most compelling protagonists of the genre. With only two episodes to go, we are going to dedicate them to some of the most talked about teen horror properties that have come out in the last couple of years. And... A quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Final Ghost UK. And as proper millennials, we also have a Patreon where you can support us if you want to at patreon.com forward slash the final girls. Some exciting content coming out this summer, which I'll be posting about on the Patreon. So on this penultimate episode of the Teen Horror Show, I am joined by the fantastic and reliably hilarious Becky Dark to discuss one of the most talked about and most entertaining teen horror films that made a little bit of a splash, was one of the most buzzy titles of the last couple of years. I'm talking, of course, about the body swap teen horror comedy Freaky, starring Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn. Be warned, there are some absolutely batshit digressions in this episode, but if you're anything like me, more Becky is more fun, so I kept them in. I hope you enjoy those, and as per usual, please note that we spoil everything from the very beginning. If you hadn't seen Freaky and you're very touchy about spoilers, then perhaps give it a watch before you listen to this episode. After a couple of really heavy episodes, I feel like this was a good bomb of an episode to start wrapping up our teen horror season on. And with all that said, please enjoy our take on Freaky. So, Becky, mm-hmm. you've got the dubious honor of <laughs> being a part of the, the penultimate episode of this teen horror season that we were chatting just before we hit record. I'm like, at this point... On the penultimate episode, I am ready to murder all the fucking kids. So many teens, Anna. So many. Dead. Dead. All of them are (laughs) dead in my book. I love the idea of you doing kind of like brain dead. Like they're all coming towards you. You've just got a lawnmower or something like hitched high and they're just running into the lawnmower and you are screaming hysterically covered in blood. All of it from teens. Uh, I think that might be a good teen horror movie, to be honest. Yeah. Like a millennial just mowing down a whole bunch of Gen Z TikTokers. Yeah. Screaming, <laughs> yes. bring back Vine. <laughs> <laughs> Would watch. 
Maybe that's maybe I'm just um, sharing my dreams. This is all yeah. in my dream journal right now. <laughs> just dreaming of TikToks and murdering teenagers. <laughs> Do not analyze this. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> definitely for any therapist listening. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Do, I don't want to hear from you. It's fine. Just keep it from you to yourself. I don't need to analyze it. <laughs> so... I've already lost my mind. I have become fully unhinged. And I think that's a perfect mindset to go into Freaky with. Um, which is a film that I hadn't seen. And I saved it for one of the last episodes. Mm-hmm. And I did not watch it in advance. So I could watch it for this episode. And I wanted to ask you before we start talking about it. Kind of, what is your relationship with Freaky? When did you first watch it? I love this film. So from what I remember... Um, a couple of years ago when we were all sort of, you know, depressed and locked in our houses. A couple I just of years kept... ago, she says. A couple of years ago. <laughs> I mean, when this came out a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, and I feel like it was at the height of certainly my depression and being locked in the house. I just kept seeing all over socials from like people in the States that I follow all about Freaky. And it seemed to have been seen by everybody. And there was this kind of frenzy of um like sort of FOMO and excitement about like what is this film how come all you guys stateside are seeing it and when the hell are we getting it because all of the reception seemed to be really really positive and people start talking about like how fun it was um and especially kind of coming off of the back of happy death day um there was there was real kind of excitement and and anticipation, I guess, for it coming over here. And when it finally did, um, I watched it really like as soon as I could because we I felt like we'd been waiting forever. And I was really, really pleased that it was good, right? Because after all of that kind of build up and and positive reception of the, all of these people that I'd been following, it could have been a real disappointment and it wasn't. I really loved it. And then I watched it again just earlier this year, um, just as kind of a rewatch, you know, hoping to myself, um, you know, will it live up to that first watch? Because sometimes they don't, right? And again, I was so pleasantly surprised. I was like, my God, this really stands up to a second watch. I still thought it was really funny and charming. I was pleasantly surprised that the kills really stood up and like... They're really kind of, it doesn't hold back on the kills, which I'm really happy about. You know, it's it really kind of strikes a nice balance between the kills and the humour. Um, and then I watched it a third time for this and I was very pleased to do so. So yeah, I was really, really chuffed when you asked me to do Freaky. I was like, oh yeah, I'm well up for another rewatch and a chat about this one. So for anyone who hasn't rewatched it recently, can you summarise Freaky for me very briefly? Totally. So it's essentially a body swap horror comedy. So you have Millie, who is our kind of central teen. Um, She is quite sort of a bit of a wallflower, but she's got two very good friends and like she's got a crush on the jock boy. Um, And there is a sort of urban legend of the Blissfield Butcher and every homecoming year, the uh, the kind of urban legend is that he 
kills a bunch of kids, right? Kills a bunch of teens. And it turns out it's not just an urban legend. The Blissfield Butcher actually exists and he is killing teens on and around homecoming. Um, So that's kind of how the film opens is with some very brutal killings by the butcher of these teens. Um, But then it takes a sort of supernatural element because the teens that he kills at the beginning, one of them lives in this big fancy house and there is like an antique dagger, like a like a sort of Mexican sort of ancient dagger, which is imbued with these supernatural powers. So when he stabs Millie, our main girl, with it, they switch bodies. And what then ensues is that the butcher is now in diminutive blonde previously wallflower teen Millie and Millie is in Vince Vaughn who's a big (laughs) big, she is in him she is in him and he she has a penis now Anna that she's fascinated by um and she's I think she says at one point I'm a giant like she's huge and she's strong Millie is now a six foot five man exactly and it's then the just like ensuing thing that you would expect from body horror and slasher where, um, sorry, body swap and slasher where um, she has to convince people that she is now this big foot, six foot five Vince Vaughn character while everybody's terrified and running away from her slash him because um, that's what she looks like. And then you get little Millie managing to kind of honey trap jock boys because she's all cute and blonde and sexy um and then kill them in various sort of escalating horrible ways it's great fun (laughs) it's basically freaky friday meets friday the 13th right yes exactly freaky friday the 13th (laughs) which was i think i believe the working title that they were Mm -hmm. shooting the film under when they were making it so how i mean it you're obviously a fan, but like, how well do you think it blends the the teen body swap element? I mean, we should mention the body swap subgenre is very often very often appears with teenagers body swapping with adults. Yes, like Freaky Friday, thirteen going on thirty, uh, like the one with Zac Efron and Matthew Perry. Uh, I can't remember seventeen going on something. Um, like a lot of them are teen films how mm-hmm. well do you think this one merges that genre with uh, with the slasher so i'm much more an expert on the slasher than i am on the teen body swap comedy genre um it's not my area of expertise um but for this i think that the the writing and certainly the two like central performances um and the the comedy beats are great. And then you get, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like scary horror, but in terms of the sort of Friday the 13th, you're in it for the body count, you're in it for the um, kind of elaborate deaths and elaborate kills. I think it straddles those two things really well. I think that the comedy is like genuinely funny and charming. And I think that the kills and stuff are well worth ch- ch- are well worth tuning in for. 
mean, I was very, very surprised at how gruesome the kills were. Right? Like, I don't know why I wasn't expecting it to be as gory, which is also what I thought when I watched Fear Street, uh, like the, yes. the Netflix three-part <laughs> show. Uh, I was like, when the first bread slicer kill happened, I was literally clutching my metaphorical purse going like, oh, I didn't think slashers were doing this anymore. I didn't think it would go there, but yeah, totally. And then... In Fear Street, there's that like they kill like the little kid with the glasses, and then all the bodies lined up outside the cabins, and then in um, the sixteen sixty six one, um, when like she gets her hand chopped off. Yeah, I feel like um, teen slashes have refound that like rediscovered the the gore and the gnarly, and I am fully on board. Totally. And and it I don't know why it keeps surprising me because it has been happening quite a lot. It even happens a lot in Happy Death Day. Mm-hmm. And you know, which this really shares a tone with, I think. It's sort of funny, but it's also very it feels very of a moment, even mm-hmm. though there's nothing that would time it specifically to, you know, 2020 when it when it came out. Like, it feels like it has been done in the 2020s, if that's even how we're calling this godforsaken de- decade. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Did you get that feeling? Yeah, I completely agree. And there's something about it being... Like, it's knowing... Yes, that's the word, knowing. But it's not smug, if you know what I mean. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. the kind of the more like meta side of, of horror movies and especially like horror comedies, it can be enjoyable, but there's too much of that wink, wink, self referential stuff for me like it just it sort of sometimes goes a little bit too far what mm-hmm. I like about Freaky and and Happy Death Day is that they're knowing and there is that wink there's that sort of cheekiness but it it's not smug and mm-hmm. it still somehow manages to retain the charm and I think that is a real like testament to the writing and do you think uh- I did, I think, I must confess, get at one or two points in the movie, a little bit of an eye rolly vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, at the can you remember? Can you remember when? Like, yes, which bits kind of went too far for you. And oh, am I gonna get cancelled for this? I don't believe in cancel culture. Uh, so I was gonna. What I was gonna ask you was like, did you think that the wokeness worked? Like, did it come from a genuine place, or was it? Or did it feel forced? Because there was like two beats in particular that felt a little bit forced wokeness to me. And in particular, I wrote one down was when one of the, I think it's in the preamble when we see the kind of the murder at the really big posh mansion, uh, the murder spree by the butcher. When one of the girls, one of the blonde girls says, don't underestimate a straight white man's propensity for violence. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, okay, uh-huh. sweetie. Okay, sweetie. You've, so, read, you've read a BuzzFeed article. Well done. So for me, and that is a shame because it's so early on in the film. And I think that that has the possibility to really turn somebody off really mm. early. And it's a shame because firstly, it's not a very smart line. No, and it's secondly, not. it doesn't really land. Like the, the actress doesn't really sell it 
I mm. don't think. It doesn't sound like something somebody would say, which it doesn't have to. You know, that's that can be quite an empty criticism. But for me, it doesn't land. She doesn't sell it. The one that I really like, which comes later, <laughs> which is in yeah. the bathroom, yeah. is when... Um, is it is it Nyla, the yeah. friend? Yes, says something like, um, "She's got a dick in her hand, and you're wearing Chanel number no. five. I think we're past labels." And <laughs> that made me laugh out loud because she sells it, and it sounds like something sassy that somebody would say to their gay best friend. You know, um, I will say, I don't think that Josh. Would wear Chanel number five. <laughs> I'm what scared. do you think he'd wear? I think he'd wear Dior. I don't think. Oh. I don't think he'd wear Chanel number five. I think that's such a line, li- like written by a dude who doesn't know any other sense. It's like <clears throat> perfume equals Chanel number five, and I'm like, sweetie, which one? <laughs> the eau de parfum, <laughs> the eau de toilette, <laughs> the eau de parfum intense. The intense one? Because there's an intense one? Which one? I feel, yeah, I think, I think right, Josh would so, know. It's so synonymous with like <laughs> Marilyn Monroe and Josh doesn't strike me as a Marilyn Monroe. He strikes me as a Liza. Yeah. He, yeah. Would, wear, he would wear whatever Liza is wearing. Yeah. Or he'd wear like poison. Like he's so like... Ooh, mm, like, yes. Poison. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. That is... That is uh, <laughs> That's a dude who doesn't know his sense writing that line. <laughs> but at least within universe, she likes she sold it. She does. Him. She does sell it. Also, my favorite cho- my favorite scene with Nyla is when she's like being essentially um, forced by Millie's sister, who's a <laughs> sheriff or in a in the sheriff's department. I'm only assuming she's a sheriff because they wear the the brown um uniform as opposed to the yeah. blue uniform that she's, cops well, wear. She's 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 Dewey, right? I mean yeah, she's, she's, like, she's like the older cop sibling, so she's yeah. Dewey. <laughs> yeah. But she's a competent Dewey. Oh no, she's great. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um when she's like show me like show me show me what you're holding and her phone is in one hand and the like mystical uh <laughs> dagger is in the other and you're like there's this is so tense. This is genuinely so tense. And I don't think for the reasons that the filmmakers in- intended to. But <laughs> she sells it beautifully. Yeah, she's amazing. I really, really like her. I like her and Josh. I like the um, the kind of relationship between them and Millie. I love the bit when <laughs> he's, he's like, when Millie in the butcher's body. It's so difficult when you're talking about body swap stuff so let's when you're let's, like let's call it millie in vince and vince in millie although now we're getting confused because obviously vince is the name of the actor but to be honest they don't really give the butcher that they don't even give him a name no he's literally credited as the butcher yeah so we can and call him Mi- vince cool, let's call him vince let's call i him think vince. that's better and then millie is played by Catherine newton and i think superbly to be honest she is okay. so good well the reason i say that is because she, for me, she plays the silence because it's really clever when they first swap bodies. And obviously mm. he is like a loner. He's got a proper serial killer's lair. He mm. obviously isn't really talking to many people. And so what you get when he wakes up in the teen blonde's body 
is just this silence. And it's cleverly done because mum and sister think that Millie's being silent because she's like traumatised from the attack, right? But actually it's because the butcher Mm -hmm. wouldn't really be talking to anybody. And then what you get is Millie in Vince's body. She can't shut up. So because she's a teenage girl, she's just like yammering on and you get that really funny like first encounter with that like druggy guy in (laughs) the butcher's sort of serial killer lair who um is trying to get drugs off of him and she's like oh no 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 like I'm not really a drug person what do I look like do I look like a teenage girl and he's like you are on drugs I want to feel like a teenage girl like all of that I think really is very funny But I think that Catherine Newton is very good at Mm -hmm. just that, like, the glare, the silence. And then when she is basically playing Vince Vaughn... No, when she's basically playing the butcher playing Millie. Yeah. So later when she's, like, trying to convince... Is it Booker? Like, the the jock boy. And she's... She's like playing the butcher, playing a teenage girl. So she's just like really pouty and whiny and like Booker. And it just that again, that kills me. I think she's really good. And so I think that that kind of for me, like sells it um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the body swap stuff. I, Um, I really agree with you on the part on the bit, especially when it's. Catherine playing the butcher in Millie's body. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of hyper performative teen girl nonsense just is very funny. Um, but I I gotta admit, like, I really like what you're saying. It didn't quite sell it for me. Okay. In the same way. And I think it's a very obvious comparison. I kept thinking about Freaky Friday and kind of mm-hmm. Jamie Lee and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Low, sorry, Which? Lindsay Lohan. Lohan. Oh, yeah, oh, apparently. I, Lohan. No, apparently, we've all been pronouncing her surname wrong our entire lives. <laughs> yeah, because she's got a sidebar. She's got a podcast now, and it comes up as ads on a few podcasts that I listen to. And it just, she just says it. And then she said in an interview, it's like, yeah, everyone's always pronounced it wrong. It's Lohan. Lohan. I'm like, mind fucking blown. Sorry, Lindsay. Sorry, Lindsay. Also, but- um, as another aside, mm. and this is a bit of an admission, I've never seen Freaky Friday. Ooh! You have to see Freaky Friday. If right. only for Jamie Lee Curtis playing a teenage girl so damn well. Just having the best fun. And, you know, I'll come to that comparison again when we talk about Vince Vaughn's performance. But I think, like, it's always just... It's difficult for the younger performer to stand out because their role is necessarily less fun to play Mm. because Mm. like Catherine Newton has to be aggressive and scary and kind of silent. And the best moments for me is when she's sort of surprised that she's not terrifying to people because she's Mm -hmm. a petite teenage blonde girl as opposed to a six foot five, very creepy looking man. And that really worked, and that really worked for me. But it's not as fun as a grown ass six foot five man playing a teenage, <laughs> be, yeah. like playing a teenage girl. So and it's like he, I think it's an it's like the you know I don't want to be very harsh on Catherine because she's obviously great, and I'm like same as with Lindsay playing her mom in Freaky Friday. It's just a less fun role for a teen sure. performer to play an adult. Yeah. 
And I think what works especially well in this, and I know that I haven't seen Freaky Friday, but, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is still a woman and she's not, you know, Mm. six foot five. Um, The physicality in this is so good. Like when she is sort of running into trees and (laughs) when she... Because she's huge and she's not used to like mm. being that big and, you know, on that sort of level with her surroundings. Um, that all works really well. Like his physical comedy is very funny. And the way when he like runs around oh and stuff, God. like, and he keeps screaming as well because, again, like teenage girl. And so she, like, he keeps screaming. It's very, very well done, I think. So let's talk about Vince Vaughn in particular. Also, I just looked it up. Uh, Catherine Newton is five foot five. Vince Vaughn is six foot five. That is a whole foot of that is difference. A whole, a whole ass foot. <laughs> so, what did you think of Vince uh, as Vince Vaughn, the serial killer? I think he's scary. Like, firstly, the mask that they put him in is mm. really like creepy. It's like somewhere between um, like Jason. And I don't know, like the sack boy out of the orphanage. No, yeah, 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 the orphanage. Like there's something kind of folk horror-y about mm. it. But at the same time, it's very much like, it looks like it's kind of a hockey mask at mm. the same time. So again, that like Friday the 13th thing. Um, I think he, and again, I think the brutality of the kills goes some way um which does then you know translate over into um when the butcher is in millie's body like the 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 murder of alan ruck (gasps) anna (laughs) oh my god i was gonna ask you about that later but let's talk about it now i know i'm sorry that i'm jumping ahead but it's so good it's so good and I can't, I can't not see Alan Ruck as Connor Roy anymore. Right. So it yeah. was like, Connor's getting brutally murdered. I feel like Alan Ruck is in everything as well. Do like, you? I've, yeah. Like, I've really, I feel like I've really grown up with Alan Ruck. Um, and he's, like, he's in a lot of stuff now. Like, um, he was in the Exorcist Our- series. He was great in that. Oh, I haven't seen the series. Ooh, oh, is it good? Anna. Is it good? It's really good. Oh, it makes yeah. me angry that we're getting a new Exorcist film instead of a third series of the Exorcist show. Oh, it's good. Like okay. the first season specifically. Um, Gina Davis is in it, and she is phenomenal. Wait, how did it's- I sleep on this? Right, Anna. It's on. It's on Amazon Prime. Holy shit! Treat yourself. It's I really will. great. Alan Rock's in that. Um, and obviously, Connor Roy. And um, he's in this mm. as what I kind of think of, because I think of Alan Rock as like a pretty big star, like character actor, obviously. But he just, to me, it feels like he's in everything. And he's such a bit part in this, right? He's mm-hmm. just like the woodwork teacher or whatever. And he's a total dick in it. Uh, yeah. He's really condescending and unnecessarily aggressive towards Millie. Um, And when you see him get his comeuppance in the most like extreme way where like, I always love it when something that somebody uses kind of on a daily basis, like a kind of everyday tool is like used against them. Um, And he is cut literally like in half vertically (laughs) by a bench 
saw. <laughs> and you see it. Like, you you see it. You also and see it from the point of view of the saw. Of the saw? So, so you kind of see the body coming towards you and splitting in half, mm-hmm. which is a choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a choice. It's a great choice. It's a great choice. <laughs> your face right now <laughs> i feel like you don't like alan ruck very much i love alan ruck but i don't like mr bernardini or whatever the fuck his name is oh he's, he's like he's glad the, when he gets it yeah he's the only point of nastiness in this film because even the butcher isn't re- like we don't get that much information about him he's just like a serial killer He's Mm -hmm. just a serial killer. He just murders people. You don't even know his name. You don't know his motivation. There's nothing about him that we get Mm -hmm. to know. Um, And Alan Ruck's, like, whatever professor, what what the fuck he's teaching. He's asking people to make dioramas and he's teaching in the, like, in the locker rooms, it seems. (laughs) I don't know. He's so, so nasty because when he gets into a tizzy with Vince and Millie, Mm -hmm. uh, he when she attacks him then he overpowers her again a whole ass foot taller than her and bigger he then like kicks her a couple times in the stomach just because he really wants to yeah and you can tell he's like he's been wanting to do that right Mm. yeah yeah i'm very very pleased when he gets his fuck gets what's coming to him you know i know and also because she does sort of stab him and you know disempower him but then takes the extra does a little (laughs) gets a little bit extra and just slices him in half for the fun of it yeah totally yeah because she like gets him in the neck or something first doesn't she and he kind of falls back onto like the saw table yeah in a very sort of like james bond-esque type way like yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah head first just straight out the middle oh that beautiful head of hair as well. What a shame. Yeah, I know. What a shame. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Cameron did not age to be a nice person in this film. No, no. Oh, Cameron. <laughs> I always, uh, my favorite is always Cameron, never Ferris. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Like, he's just, like, Cameron was me. Like, I wasn't Aww. the one fucking going into the city and singing on parade floats i was like the one who was racked by anxiety and like couldn't get out of bed so yeah totally i mean that conversation that he has by himself in his dad's car oh it's me every morning yeah <laughs> every morning <laughs> it's like i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to fuck this fuck this fuck this you, but you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta yep yep <laughs> This is how we start the day. <laughs> so back to Vince. Um, what do you? Th- we've spoken about Catherine. We've spoken about Millie. But what do you think of Vince and his performance? Because like he, like I mentioned before, he gets to have a lot of fun playing a teenage so girl. So much fun. So much fun. Um, yeah, he's sort of he's. <laughs> He's running around like he's a little bit sort of mincy and flappy. <laughs> um, he screams a lot. He he, um, he gets to you know do some like pretty kind of physical stuff, mm-hmm. like you know fighting like the fighting the that scene when he's fighting the friends um, in the like. I don't know, school, like cafeteria, I guess. They seem to be fighting with like ladles and kind of metal trays and things. Um, But he gets to sort of like do a bit of like cheerleading. um, And then 
like there's the kiss with Booker in the car, which always like it's funny, but it's really like tender and sweet mm. and not at all kind of I don't know, it doesn't feel that it's played kind of gratuitously. Like it feels like it's like the movie is treating it really seriously. And there is something that like moment and it, you know, it's to the guy who plays Booker as well. The young actor who plays Booker um, to their credit, because they are playing it completely straight. I can see through Vince to Millie right mm-hmm. and I think that is really impressive like again you know as you say there's a foot between them Vince Vaughn is this very blokey man right as, and sort of even going back to you know films other films that he's done in his career he's a bit of a lad isn't he like he's yes. done, like wedding crashes I mean he's swingers he's, swingers, he's the money exactly. dude he's money He's money. And so to be able to then play a role where you can see through all of that sort of blokey Mm. bravado to this very sort of sweet and tender moment where he's like basically like reading poetry to this like boy crush and then they have this sort of real sort of moment in the back of the car and then it's broken and it's like actually you know this totally isn't going to work let's wait until I swap back and things but yeah I think I think Vince Vaughn is genuinely really good as the butcher and as especially as Millie because as you say the butcher doesn't have a lot to do right he doesn't have a backstory he doesn't even really have a name or motivation or much of an identity he's just kind of a blank-faced killer especially considering like when we see him as the butcher he's got that sort of like freaky mask on for some of it um so it's it's when you've got Vince in Millie um that he gets to kind of do the most and have the most fun and yeah I really like it I think you're very right in pointing out kind of that Vince Vaughn, his sense of humor, like he's done a lot of comedy. That's how he Mm. exploded. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how he became a star. I know he's done like a few grittier roles in the latter part of his career. It's like brawling, brawling cell block. Oh my God, brawling cell, oh fuck. Brawling cell block 99, 99. That is one of the most disgustingly violent <laughs> movies I've ever seen. I saw that in the cinema at LFF. Whoa. Holy shit. Uh, then he did another. There's like a scene where he... F- he I've never seen anyone bear punched that many men to death as Vince Vaughn does in that movie. It is hyper violent. And he's like bulky and he's a skinhead and he like he even in the poster i feel like he's got a massive like black eye and he's sort of covered in he's got like a split lip Um, yeah i remember that feeling like a departure for him yeah and then he did another film with that same director uh called dragged across concrete which i didn't see uh and that one's with mel gibson this is the um what's the what's the Oh, for fuck's sake the like uh no i can't remember the what? like western one the oh uh one. bone tomahawk bone to- so it's the same same guy, director right? same director yeah it's yeah. craig zeller steven craig. steven craig zeller yeah that's right yeah that's right yeah but um like before that we knew 
we know, and he was a star, he was Vince Vaughn because of Swingers, because of the breakup, because of uh, the wedding crashers, like his mm-hmm. sort of brand of on-screen comedy. When he's funny, he's funny because he's kind of a lad, like you say, yeah. and he's kind of got that macho, douchey sense of humor. And he's very good at it. He's very witty by all accounts, but like here... I'm surprised at the fact that he kind of does a, a light touch comedy and does the whole teenage girl uh, performance in a kind of a sweet way. Like you mm-hmm. say, it doesn't really feel like he's mocking the teenage girl mannerisms no. in no, the no, same no. way. And, you know, not to compare, but, you know, I mean, Jamie Lee could do no wrong in my book, but... <laughs> She truly is so good in Freaky Friday. Like the way she performs a much more brattier, much more contrarian and kind of um independent type of teenager versus Millie, who's much more soft-spoken and and kind of wallflowery, like you said, and has mm-hmm. her two friends, uh, Lindsay's character in Freaky Friday, like is in a punk band. And <laughs> oh my god, I've definitely seen you, the clips of that. A hundred percent, I've seen. I kind of believe that. you haven't seen this film. I know. We must. And do you know what the the thing is? Is I love Jamie Lee Curtis as a comedy actress. As yes, well. like Fish Called Wanda is one of my favorite ever films. Oh my I god, I love her in Trading Places. First role She's I ever incredi- saw her in. She's incredible. Yeah, probably the first role I ever saw mm. her in, actually, as well. Maybe Fish Call Wonder in Trading Places. I probably saw them around the same time. Um, like True Lies, she is amazing in. So yeah, it's it's daft that I haven't seen Freaky Friday. Oh my god, Maybe I need to bump bump it to the top of my list. I smell another sleepover, Becky Dark. <gasps> yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Okay, I'm into it. <laughs> actually, Dave is Dave is doing another cycle ride. So let's make <gasps> it happen. It's happening. It's happening. Right. Yep. <laughs> I owe you a pizza. Um, but going going back to, to Vince, we were talking about Vince and Millie and very lightly touched on the friends. But what do you think of the supporting characters? We've got Brooker, we've got Josh, we've got Nyla as kind of her two besties who mm-hmm. believe her after a very extended, very funny fight. <laughs> And then actually that is one of my favourite Vince Vaughn as Millie moments when um, they ask him who the crush is, like who's your number one crush? Mm. And she says, um, Booker Hooker. And then she like, he like giggles and she's like, he? And like, that's really cute. And you're like, yeah, I, I get it. I get like what you're doing here. And again, it's just like, he's really trying hard to kind of embody those mannerisms without like, as you say, like mocking mm. a teenage girl, which I think is very cute. I really like the supporting cast. Um, I don't think they do anything particularly special. Um, I like the way they're written, you know, the the sort of one-liners and stuff are good. I think that actually one of my favourite scenes in the film is when Josh is kind of babysitting. <gasps> yes. And he's got her tied up. And the mom shows and then, up. And then mum comes home. Yes. She's like, she because I think she's an air stewardess. Yes. So like she's like caught an earlier flight or something. So she she's been serving peanuts all day. As she Incredible. says. She's got like no time for any of his fucking nonsense, any of his teen boy nonsense. And you get this great scene, which I really love, where he's like, oh, yeah, we're doing role play. And she's like, isn't role play a sex thing? And both, like, she and then Millie, but are both like, yeah, 
Like, why have you said role play? You get like, like the butcher through Millie being like, you are not, this is not working. You are a bad liar. <laughs> this is stupid. He like, he's obviously exasperated, like almost for the mum. Like mm. this lying isn't working. Do better. Mm. Um, and then he says like, I don't know how to tell you this, mum. I'm straight. <laughs> and then you get this beautiful moment where she's like, you are many things, but straight isn't one of them. Now untie her. Like, yeah. it's just, it's great. Like, I love that whole scene. My favorite part of that scene is a very, it's just a one shot of uh, of a picture a photograph that they have where the two actors who play Josh and his mom are like in a sort of mom and son fancy dress together <laughs> against one of those sort of photographer studio, studio backgrounds and like this is giving me big arrested development vibes <laughs> this is Lucille and Buster <laughs> they obviously have a very special relationship that would be <laughs> unusual for a straight son and his mum to have in terms of their activities together. Yeah, it's just is very, very funny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I say, I think I think the supporting cast is good. I like the um, I like the relationship between the so Millie and her sister and her mum. You know, mm. they've lost the dad and this kind of this sort of like roots it in. Um, she's got this very kind of almost like codependent relationship with her mum that means that m this is sort of almost what's like uh, like causing Millie's wallflowerness. And I think a lot mm. of the film is sort of looking at, you know, she's got this like strength inside of her. She's got this sexiness inside of her, but like she isn't kind of using it she isn't harnessing it because she's being held back like she's mm. not she's thinking about not going to the homecoming dance because she's gonna go and see wicked with her mum um and her friends you know nyla and josh obviously see this in her and booker does as well mm -hmm. um and so you know you get that sort of interesting dynamic with her mum who like drinks too much and actually that is kind of what puts millie in the path of the butcher in the first place because mum is supposed to have picked her up after the game mm -hmm. and she doesn't because she's like passed out on the sofa. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you get that interesting relationship between uh, Millie and her sister, I think it's Char, the, mm. the sheriff, um, where she's almost like picking up that kind of responsibility because like she's a cop and she's the older sister and mum like isn't doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, again, like, it's, you know, it's nothing that's going to set the world alight, but it's all fine. I like it. So tell me before we wrap up, if you were to body swap <gasps> with someone, mm. who would you body swap with in a mystical, murdery, freaky? Fox Mulder. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. That turns <laughs> out a lot. <laughs> okay. The character or David Duchovny? Fo no, Fox Mulder. Oh, yeah. Because then I could I could hang out with Dana Scully, all day. <laughs> and you could wear those teeny tiny red speedos that he wears in that one episode. I I could, yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, I'd just like be Fox Mulder, and he's like he's like he's really hot. So I could just like look in the mirror all day and be like, I'm really hot. But then I could also hang out with Dana Scully, who's also really hot. And uh, then I just genuinely have like cool adventures with like aliens and like fluke monsters 
and like spies and shit. But then there'd be like undeniable sexual tension in every moment of my professional life. And I just like, I really love sexual tension. I really love redheads and I really love spooky shit. So I'd like to be Fox Mulder, please. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you'd want a body swap back. You'd be like, no, I'm good. I'd be I'm like, good. do you know what? No, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I mean, I'd miss my husband and everything. Of course I would. But I feel like Fox Mulder would take good care of Dave for me. <laughs> um, I think they'd have a lovely time together. They'd have a lovely time. They're like both super nerdy. Um, he'd keep Dave in sunflower seeds and like conspiracy theories. <laughs> I think I think it's a an arrangement that works for everybody involved. And you just get to have like sexual tension with every single person you interact like, with, like which everybody. is what like, happens with Fox Mulder in every single episode of the X Files. Everyone, and I get to wear a cool trench coat. It's the nineties. Yeah, I mean, I there there is nothing about this situation that I'm nothing in. that doesn't work for you no. i'm into it i'm into yeah. it I, i've never been asked that question i've never thought about that before but the moment you asked the answer was just clear in front of me like it had been there the whole time into it i would watch this movie uh who would you body swap with please I have also never been asked that question and never <laughs> thought about it, but uh, I don't have... The first person who comes to my mind is Lee Pace. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because I'm still traumatized by uh, Jordan telling me that there are people in the world who think Lee Pace is not hot and I'm just flabbergasted by this. And also because I really fancy being like a six foot seven man. Like if I'm going to body mm -hmm. swap with a man, I'd be like, I want to be giant. Giant. Like Vince Vaughn. Yeah, but, but like but taller. More, more, yeah, even yeah. bigger. Also, Lee Pace has, like Lee Pace, the actor, none of his characters, has this sort of enormous, like hippie fuckboy energy, which I'm kind of into. He will just be wandering around the world with his shirt half open and wearing sport shorts, unironically. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and like long hair that always looks like it's just dried out of the shower and at the same time been professionally blow dried with like sea salt spray and shit oh like, yeah oh the, like i want that <laughs> i feel like lee pace and his stylist his hair stylist are um holding up like 50 percent of the world's sea, sea salt spray <laughs> like he is he is doing work for that industry bumble and bumble are definitely <laughs> like their stock options are high because of lee pace um i just think is it's, it's pace, a is he a himbo would we call him a no himbo? i i think he's too savvy to be a himbo okay, and i think right. he he's one of the few actors that i can think of that can pull off being like smart and smarmy in a kind of Don Drapery type way uh, and yeah. also himbo-esque he does have you know him in um Halt and Catch Fire and then a very sweet naive like virginal type vibe in Pushing Daisies and then this like dirty hippie fuckboy energy that he has as kind of a weird he doesn't really have a massive public persona, but that's the public persona is associated with every single picture he posts on Twitter. <laughs> I'm like, damn, like, come on. What are you, which Lee Pace are we going to get today? Is it going to be Don thing, Draper? Is it going to be Dirty do, Hippie? 
the thing that I do love about him is he 100% knows what he's doing. He oh, 100%. knows what he's doing. And you know what? I'm so happy for him. I respect him. He's doing the Lord's work and he's keeping us all thirsty, but also satiated. Like, <laughs> that's a word if I'm just like, you know. Quenched. quenched. Thirsty and quenched. Yes, that is the word. <laughs> he's keeping us thirsty and quenched. And we thank you for your service, Mr. Pace. And you know what, Anna? If there is anybody that if they were transported into Lee Pace's body who could carry that mantle and continue keeping the world thirsty and quenched, it's you. That is the sweetest thing you've ever said to me. I appreciate it so deeply. I mean every word. (laughs) Do you think I can pull off Don Draper and dirty, slutty, hippie energy at the same time? Fuck yes! Fuck yes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can't believe you're even questioning yourself. You know this, of course. I mean, I can pull off a suit. I do know oh. this. <laughs> but a, a, sh- a suit with shorts, please. Like shorts. Oh my God. Like Kristen Stewart. Oh, Case, mm. case two, case two has the same. Case two and Lee Pace have the same energy, big time. They and do, the same don't they? Wardrobe, just in very different sizes. <laughs> <laughs> they should be in a movie together. They should do a body swap movie. I mean, no, they should just they should just do an erotic movie together. Yeah, no, they yeah. should. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, they both have like big bisexual energy, and I'm very into it. Hundred percent. Yes. I still haven't seen Crimes of the Future, and it's making my heart sad. Well, you're in luck because it's screening in September. Yeah. Amazing. I'm so excited. Oh, I, I want to go see it all over again because I saw it way too late at Cannes. Let's go and see it together. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so, Becky, <laughs> this was a one- Freaky. This was a wonderful <laughs> detour, but freaky. Do you think. Well, I do have one last question for you about freaky. Do you think freaky, which was a success with critics? It had like that buzz. People were talking about it. I kept seeing mm-hmm. it everywhere, even though I missed mm-hmm. it in that first kind of run. Um, it never really got released in- theatrically, widely, but it, may- it made a lot of money back. It had like a 6 million budget and it made back like 16.2 million. So like it did very well. I'm happy to hear that. Do you think it was part of a sort of like people wanting to go see that type of fun, gory teen slashery movie do you think it was part of a, a like a little moment that and happy and happy death day and a few others that were coming out around the same time um fear street coming out the following year yeah and then leading into scream five mm-hmm. um yeah i mean yes i so if they made because so happy death day and then they did happy death day to you which was shit I really didn't like it. And a lot of people didn't like it. Um, I really liked the first one. I didn't mm. like the second one. I would watch Freaky 2 mm-hmm. and just cross everything that they didn't do a happy death day to you and actually like nailed the sequel. Mm. Because I would fully watch Millie in some other, I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but that's why I'm not a screenwriter. Um but I would, I would definitely come back like for this universe, you know, some, somehow something happens. Um, I would spend more time with her character, definitely, and the friends mm-hmm. um, and see kind of, you know, what they're up to now. I hope her mum sorted herself out. 
Um, I hope that Char has got herself some sort of butch lover. Um, <laughs> and I assume that Millie and Booker are now, you know, madly in love. And, you know, the kind of it couple at school Josh and Nyla. Uh, hopefully Josh has found some s- some more kind of love I- interest than the gay postman who is the only person on like grinder in their town or whatever. Oh. I just want all of them to be living fulfilled lives mm-hmm. and then for something really awful to happen to all of them and you know the, for the horror to come and to see some more fucking terrifying um disgusting deaths like the bottle the 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 tennis racket i'm a huge fan of the tennis racket it reminds me of you know those amazing like joke shop things with the arrow where you like put the headband on and it looks like the arrow's coming through your head Mm -hmm, like it's mm -hmm. like that but with the tennis racket for real big Mm -hmm. fan um i would i would definitely watch more antics of like this group um and more horrible kills i think I think it probably was a bit of a moment, but I would like to see, you know, if they could continue doing like fresh stuff. So what have they done? They've done like the Groundhog Day, but it's a slasher. Yes. And they've done like Freaky Friday, but it's a slasher. Yes. So they just basically need to come up with like another kind of comedy um, trope or comedy sort of subgenre and add it to a slasher so they mm. just need to figure out what the next one of those is I mean, and if they figure that out i'll i'll be there let's do like an ocean's 11 but it's a slasher oh <gasps> that would be cute yes, that would be amazing let's do a uh oh my god and let's do a trading places but it's a slasher yes two serial killers just trade masks <laughs> I love that. So you could, ha- yeah, you could have like um, one traditional serial killer who is like like a teen slasher, right? So that they their mo is that they go to a camp and mm-hmm. they kill. That's what they usually do. Mm-hmm. And then you've got more of a kind of Hannibal Lecter sort mm. of um, like uh, sort of psychological. You know, he's he's maybe a professor or something, and he likes mm. to you know, and they they need to swap. So you get like Hannibal Lecter going on a kill crazy rampage in a camp and then the like Jason Voorhees character like having to kind of think his way through things and like host like therapy sessions with weirdos. Let's analyze this, but with serial, with teen slasher. Yes! The minute you said therapy, I was like, what is that? Ther- what is that? I've been trying to think, what is that therapy movie with Robert De Niro? Analyze, analyze this. this. Analyze this. Slash this. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I love this idea. I like it. Like, I like the kind of the premise of taking these other Hmm. sub-genres of comedies and then just sticking a load of brutal, brutal kills in them. So, yeah, like I say, whenever they come up with with the next one, I'll be there. Notting Hill, but make it a a teen slasher. (gasps) Oh. Four weddings and a few. (gasps) Oh. For funerals and a wedding? Yes! Oh my god, she's done it. Right, she's done it. Working title, DM me. Let's bring this brainstorm to a close because there ain't no idea getting better than that one. Four funerals and a wedding, yes please. Becky, 
thank you so much. A joy as always to thank podcast you. with you. Thank you. Where what are you up to now? Where can people find more of your work online if they're not subscribed to your podcast, your projects yet? Um, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for having me on to chat about this really fun film. I always love talking to you, Anna. Um, where am I? I'm on Twitter and Instagram um, and letterboxed at Bunny Dark. I Twitter's always the best place to find me. I post all of my stuff there. Um you can find me at the Genesis Cinema a fair bit. I'm down there with um, Mike Munzer from the Evolution of Horror doing screenings um, now and again. So we do them sort of every four to six weeks. Um, so the Genesis in Mile End, it's an amazing cinema. Um, and even if you don't come down for one of us, one of our things, come down anyway. Um, I'm often there just seeing, you know, I'll probably be down there seeing Crimes of the Future. Um, and I've got a Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash bunnydark. And you can just come over if you like my podcasting and bits and pieces. Um, come and chuck me a few pennies. I'll be very grateful. Um, and I'm hoping to start putting out some more kind of monthly content. I'm going to start doing um, like audio versions of some of my essays and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, but I, you can't you can't move without bumping into me. Basically, I'm, I'm everywhere. Thank you so much, darling. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Anna.